So let's get into the word this morning. Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 29 through 39. And uh, this morning's text um, really picks up from last time. Jesus is moving through the city of Capernaum. He has called his disciples, four of them, uh, Simon, or Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And they were what? What do they do for a living? They were fishermen. And what did Jesus say to them? He said, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. From now on you will be fishing for souls, people, human beings, not fish. <clears throat> God is on mission. He has sent his son Jesus into the world to, say, to, to uh, seek and to save the lost. And those who would follow Jesus, those who would be saved by Jesus, those who would belong to Jesus would also be on mission with Jesus. He's passing through Capernaum last week. We discovered how he casts out a demon. He said to that demon, shut up and come out of him. We're going to see the same kind of theme for the rest of Jesus' ministry. He's going to be going throughout the land and he's going to be mainly, people are going to recognize this is what Jesus is all about. He is proclaiming the gospel of God that means it's God's message, it's God's gospel. It's not Mark's, it's not Peter's, it's God's. Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God. And he is displaying his authority. His authority to do what? Well, first of all, to be on mission for the Father and to do what the Father's told him to do. But ultimately, what it means for you, what it means for me, and what it meant for his disciples and all the people that he ministered to, the people that he was healing, the people who he was casting demons out of, was that he had the authority from heaven to save. He has the authority from heaven to forgive sin. Because we have offended God, we have sinned against God, humankind is fallen. We are up to our eyeballs in sin and we can't get out of it. No one, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one can get us out of this situation. No influencer on social media. No great world leader. No political system. No religious leader can get us out of this. Only Jesus can. And he proves it by his authority. That's what the, this book is all about. The authority of Jesus Christ to do the will of the Father to forgive any who would come to him, any who would follow him, believe in him. He will forgive. He has the authority to forgive all of your sin. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. You're right. I don't know, but he does. God is omniscient. He knows all about you, every hair on your head or every hair that used to be on your head. He knows all of it. And Jesus has the authority to save but today we find ourselves in verse 29. Starting in verse 29 in your Bible, follow along with me. And immediately after they had come out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to him about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and, he, and the fever left her. And she waited on them. Verse 32. And when evening had come, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. 
And the whole city had gathered at the door. And he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him, and they found him and said to them, and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. This morning, this is a, a rather large passage to kind of whittle it down to this subject of prayer, but what we see here is a lot of busyness, a lot of things going on, and Jesus goes out to pray. So the title of this morning's message is, When is the Best Time to Pray? When is the best time to pray? When, when do you pray? When is the best time for you to pray? We think of opportune times to pray. Maybe, maybe certain circumstances that lend themselves to prayer. When is it that you think in your mind, we should pray right now? Every time you sit down to eat, maybe? Sit at the table, you're about to eat, you look down at your plate of food, and you think, wow, how fortunate are we to be able to eat this? When so many people around the world, when you think of maybe your parents or grandparents or generations before you who didn't have to eat what you have to eat, that's a good opportunity to pray and give thanks, right? We also pray and give thanks for our food and ask God to bless it so we don't get sick, right? You may not be too concerned with that, with the food that we have available to us today, but when you travel the world and you're sitting down in places that don't have the best plumbing or the best health policies, whew, you better pray for your food. Ask God to bless it and all the things that come with the digesting of that food. Maybe you pray when you're under stress. Someone comes to you and says, I'm having a really rough day. Now would be a good time to pray, right? Or you hear of sickness in someone's life, just like we just prayed for uh, our Freelou family who's traveling today. Good time to pray. These are all good times to pray. But what we learn from Jesus here this morning in this passage is that there's a, there's a great time, the best time to pray is one that we usually don't think about. And Jesus, without even teaching his disciples, because later on they're going to ask him, after seeing how he prays, and when he prays, and how he, his whole life is prayer, communing with God the Father, they ask him what? Lord, teach us how to pray. That's what his disciples ask. He can do all of these things. He casts out demons. He's a phenomenal teacher. He draws great crowds. He heals people that are sick. He heals people of diseases, of leprosy. Yet his disciples ask him, would you teach us how to pray? And he does. And he says, when you pray, the, when you, pray you are to pray this way. And then he gives them, what do we call it? The Lord's Prayer. Right? 
But in this passage, we learn when is the best time to pray. See, they don't ask him, Lord, when is the best time to pray? They ask him how to pray. Here, just in his life example, he shows us and he shows them when is the best time to pray. Starting in verse 29 through verse 31. The best time to pray is when you have all the earthly support available. Notice verse 29. Immediately after they had come out of the synagogue... They came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. Wouldn't you do that? If you had someone, if you were with Jesus and you were following Jesus around and he was casting out demons and he was healing the sick, what immediately comes to your mind? Who do I know? Who do I know? Who do I love? Who, who might have these issues? Man, I want to bring them to Jesus or I want to bring Jesus to them. And here, Jesus comes into the house of Peter. His mother-in-law is sick. But what do they do? Immediately, they talk to Jesus about her. Jesus, she's sick. Verse 31 says, he came to her. He raised her up, taking her by the hand and the fever left her and notice what Mark records next now remember Mark is recording the actual preaching of Peter so Peter is telling Mark to write this down so this is inspired by the Holy Spirit but this is Peter really notice this little tidbit at the very bottom of the verse in 31 he heals her but not only that it says and then she waited on them. Or some of your Bibles might say, she served them. She served them. Now, <clears throat> people will try to spin uh, the way that Jesus calls his followers in many different ways, but re regardless of how you think of this, it is glaringly obvious at this point that if Jesus wants a following, he can have it, right? Right? Not only, are people, not only are people crowding around him at this point, but he goes into the house of, of Peter and Andrew. There's a sick woman there. And if you want to get on someone's good side, you make their mother-in-law happy. Right? There is a saying in East Texas where I grew up. It says, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right? We make friends in life, in ministry, we make friends. We, we want others to support what we're doing. If Jesus was just wanting a following of support, he's got it going on right here, right? She is healed and she immediately starts to serve them. He could have all of the help. He could have all of the servants that he wanted. All of the support that he needs for his ministry in an earthly sense is there. When we think about ministry, when we think about the way we minister to our family and our community and we pray for God to give us support, Lord, we know that you've told us to make disciples and we need help. You've heard me say this for the last seven years. We're trying to plant a church here in Maricopa. We need your help. We need you to come alongside of us, right, to do the work of ministry. We need to help each other. We're looking for people. Look, <clears throat> When you're planting, when we're planting a church like we are here at Grace Fellowship Church, 
We need every single person to pitch in in some way, right? A long time ago, Rick Warren wrote a book. I think it was like 1994, 1995 he came out called The Purpose Driven Church. And one of the things that he says about their church back then and I think is still a, a, a priority for them now today is that every member is a what? Minister. Every member is a minister. All hands on deck. But Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. She starts to serve. And I can imagine maybe the disciples thinking, maybe a light bulb going off. Wow, he's healing people and they're gonna serve him. This is a great farm system for ministry. Heal people, save people. They will support you. They will lend a helping hand. But Jesus doesn't stick around. We find him later going away from this situation to spend time with God the Father. To get away from it all. Jesus shows us that the best time to pray is maybe not what we think at times. Sometimes we think the best time to pray is when we have no help. But Jesus shows us here the best time to pray is when we have all of the earthly support we could ever want. Be careful when you have all the earthly support you could ever ask for. Because that's when you're at your greatest need for God's power and God's provision. The second thing, as we get to verse 32. When everyone else thinks that everything is working perfectly when everybody in your life thinks everything's working perfectly things are going well verse 32 when the evening had come after the sun had set they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon possessed and the whole city had gathered at the door and he healed many who were ill with various diseases cast out many demons and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was remember from last week shut up and come out And in the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. Verse 37 is key. And they found him and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? What are you doing out here? This is is working perfectly. This is perfect, Jesus. Isn't this the way that we wanted things to go? You called us to follow you. We're following you. You go into the synagogue. You encounter a man demon-possessed. You cast it out of him. You move on from there. You go into a house. There's a sick woman there. You heal her. And now everybody is, by the end of the day, everybody's pressing up against this house. People who are demon-possessed. People who are sick. And they want more of you. Isn't that what you wanted? Everything is going so well. But we know what Jesus does when everybody thinks that everything is going so well. Can you imagine the confusion on the disciples' faces? They hunted for him, verse 36 says. Why would they hunt for Jesus? Because of the great need. I mean, where did he go? What could he possibly be doing when all these people need him? So they hunt for Jesus. They find him and they're like, listen. Everybody's looking for you. It's interesting today. 
when I think about ministry, when I think about uh, pastors and the way that, that so many evangelical Christians think that God need us for his mission, that it's so important that we're visible. I remember in my last church, <clears throat> our youth pastor asked me, he said, Pastor Luke, why are you not on social media? I said, I don't have time for that. He's like, oh, you gotta be there. You gotta be present. There's so many people there. You gotta be on Twitter. You have to be on Facebook. You have to do all these things. You have to be out there. And there is such a, there is such a temptation and there is such a drive for not only pastors but for Christians to be, to be so all about God's work that we forget to spend time with God himself. It's not healthy. Be out in front of the people. Network. Get to know people. Promote Jesus. Talk about God. Share the gospel. Folks, if you share the gospel or if you're involved in church ministry at a deeper level than you are in personal relationship with your creator, something's wrong. And I'll admit, there have been many times in my life where that was backwards. Where I was so involved in thinking that God needed me, that there was such a need. There were all these people, they need you, they need you, they need you. And I didn't do what Jesus did. I didn't say, that's, that's wonderful, but God didn't send me for that. He sent me to proclaim the gospel. He sent me to, to represent him, to be a presence and I've got to spend time with my heavenly father. That's what Jesus said. This is where I have to be. Not only did he say that, but he in, ended up saying, and we have to leave. We have to leave the crowds. Imagine the shock on the disciples' faces. What? You, you have to what? You, you're leaving? You just drew this, this crowd. They need you. They need you. The best time to pray may not be when everybody thinks things are going badly. Usually that's, that's our impulse is that now is a good time to pray. Because the people around us feel like the, the ministry is not going well or my life is not going well. Now is the time to pray when other people think it's going poorly. No, the best time to pray for you may be when everybody thinks it's going really, really well. And you're doing a bang up job. Because only then time with the Father will cause you to depend upon him and not all the positive things that other people are saying. Oh, but it's so hard for us to do that, isn't it? We like to, we like to coax our egos. We like to feel good about what we're doing for the Lord. But Jesus shows us here the best time to praise when everyone else thinks that everything is working perfectly so ministers will try to validate their ministry by popularity i'm in the center of god's will because so many people are pressing into the house see it started with jesus just healing peter's mother-in-law but by the end of the day there were crowds pressing around the house trying to get in man for us today when we think about the success of our ministry the success of our life we would take that as success. There you go. We hit the mark. We've got dozens and hundreds and thousands of people attracted to what we're doing. Now is the time to pray.
When is the best time to pray? He also shows us when the time is inconvenient. This is probably one of the most convicting to me. I don't know about you. <clears throat> most of the time we, we don't prioritize prayer because we're so busy. We don't make it a priority because we're so busy. We think that we ought to pray, that we should pray when we have the time. When we have the margin. Then we should pray. We should take advantage of those time margins to pray. But Jesus actually says the opposite is true here. <clears throat> it's when the time is inconvenient. Verse 34, he healed many who were ill with various diseases. He cast out many demons. <clears throat> Verse 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place and was praying there. This was a time in Jesus' ministry. No, oh, it was going to get a lot worse. <laughs> it was going to get a lot more hectic. These were the early days. Before you know it, there would be 5,000 people. Listening to him preach, there would be people in the city of Jerusalem scurrying to see this rabbi from Nazareth. What's he going to say next? What's he going to do next? These were the early days. Early days and it's already inconvenient. So much going on. There's so many people there. He's going to be seen. How, how can he get away? He gets up early, early in the morning. He prioritizes time with the Father. And Peter, or Mark says here, he goes out to a lonely place. How many of you like to be lonely? I don't like to be lonely. I'm an extrovert. I thrive off of people. I get energy off of people. So I have this tendency to not prioritize time with God alone. If we have it left over, we'll use it. But what we learn here from this passage is <clears throat> while sometimes we are so busy that we don't prioritize prayer, Jesus realizes that he is so busy that the ministry needs are so great that he has to prioritize it. He has to. I have to get up early. I have to get away to a lonely place. The best time to pray is when the time is inconvenient, not when it's convenient. That's usually when we save time to pray. When is it going to be convenient for me to pray? We need to realize that busyness increases our need for prayer to prioritize time with the Father. Jesus was too busy not to pray. And he realizes something that we need to realize today. He was just coming out of the wilderness, remember, being tempted by the devil. Our enemy is a master distractor. He loves to distract. He loves to heap good things onto you so that you'll be so busy, so that I will be so busy <clears throat> that we don't think we need to pray. Now, we usually think that we need to pray when the 
busyness in our life, when all the stuff on our plate is bad, is stressful, now I need to pray, but what about the good things? What about all the blessings? The enemy would love to keep your life full of blessing, full of good stuff, if it means you don't commune with the Father. But Jesus is focused, laser focused on his purpose. His purpose was not to heal the sick. As good as social ministry is and, and being involved in all kinds of mercy ministry is good and we need to be involved in that. Because human beings are creating the image of God. And whenever we minister the gospel, we, we must love people and, and address physical needs, not just the spiritual. But Jesus is very clear here. The Father did not send me into the world to heal people of disease, even to cast out demons. The Father sent the Son into the world to proclaim the good news that he is the way of salvation and that your soul can be saved. And so all of these world, worldly needs pressing upon Jesus, we need to be healed. We need demons cast out. We just want to be in your presence because we have all these felt needs and, 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 and legitimate needs. But Jesus says, I'm leaving I'm leaving that crowd of legitimate earthly needs to go to another place where people have not heard the gospel. They've never heard. These people have heard the gospel. Their souls have received the good news and now they have a choice to make. But I'm going to this other place. This is what he says. A good time to pray, Jesus shows us, when you need to refocus on the Father's purposes and plan. It's easy to get distracted, isn't it? From the Father's purpose and plan. E.M. Bounds once said that prayer puts God's work in his hands and keeps it there. I love that. Prayer puts God's work in his hands and keeps it there. Jesus has to get away. He leaves early. He goes to a lonely place. The disciples come out to him. Peter comes out and says, everyone is looking for you. What are you doing? Your healing ministry is working. He said to them, verse 38, let us go somewhere else. To the towns nearby, why in the world would you want to go somewhere else? He says, in order that I may preach there also, for that is what I came out for. Refocusing and telling his disciples, those who would follow him, this is what we're all about. All these things are good. People being healed, demons being cast out. All these things are good. All these things are good. But these things are signs that testify that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is the Christ. That salvation is found in him alone. And everyone needs to hear that message. Everyone. We've, we've said many times in this church that there are still 
uh, many unreached people groups around this world. People who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you are a part of sending missionaries. We give a portion of our budget. And we have special giving times in the life of our church where we ask you to give specifically to the mission field because there are still people and there are whole entire people groups, nationalities, who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why we prioritize that over and above, not to the exclusion of mercy ministry and social ministry. We're still a part of those things. We help with disaster relief, with crisis pregnancy centers, hospitals. We, we minister in all these different ways. But the number one reason that we prioritize missions and evangelism is for this very reason. Because Jesus says there are people who have never heard and that's where we need to go. We have a unique opportunity when we come to this text to think about and to pray for those missionaries and for those people groups who have never heard. And to recalibrate our focus and to think about how important it is that we are involved going ourselves, sending missionaries and praying for people who have never heard the gospel so Jesus brings them back with all of this excitement, with all of this success, when all of these earthly needs are being met, Jesus brings these disciples and he says, this is what I'm about. And if it's what I'm about, those who follow me, this is what you must be about. The best time to pray is when you need to refocus on the Father's purposes and plans. Jesus says, that is what I came out for. That's what my ministry is all about. Verse 39 says, and when he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. That's what he was doing in Capernaum and that's what he continued to do in his ministry. To proclaim the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This was the primary purpose of God sending his son and it has to be the primary purpose of our ministry as well and our life as well. Jesus went alone away from the crowds, away from the disciples to be alone with the Father, to refocus on the Father's purpose and he never went back to that crowd. He went from that place of solitude and prayer to the next place that God, the Father, was going to send him. So when is the best time to pray? Did this challenge your thinking on prayer just a little bit? It did me. Learning how and when Jesus went out to pray now, of course, we're not Jesus, are we? And he does things that sometimes we really struggle with, but he is nonetheless modeling prayer for his disciples and for us. There are times that we think we don't need to pray as much. And Jesus shows us here, no, those are the times you need to pray the most. When you have the most earthly support, when everything seems to be going your way, we'll sit around a table 
And I love yesterday when our men met and we had breakfast around my table and we went around the room and we started talking about prayer. Everybody was honest and straightforward about I need prayer in this area of my life. But sometimes when you get around the table and you pray, say, hey, we're gonna pray for one another. How can we pray for you? Man, I don't know. Things are going great. You'll hear people say, well, I don't know. I'm just blessed. Perfect time to pray. Why? Because, because things will start to go south soon? No. Because when you're just blessed and everything's just great in your life, where does your tendency of faith begin to, to be? Upon who? Yourself. Right? When everybody feels like in your life that things are great in your life and you have the approval of others and you have the support of others and everything's all your interpersonal relationships you don't have any friction between you and anybody else everybody thinks everything's going great that is the perfect time to pray the best time to pray because the enemy can dupe you into thinking you don't need the father right now everything's great years ago when Emily suffered her aneurysm we went into the hospital and she was in the operating room. She was in there for like six and a half hours. And not only myself, but many others prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I remember that moment when I prayed, I had never, I had never prayed like that before. And I've never prayed like that since. Praying for God to save my wife. Praying for my children. Praying for myself. It was, it was just this obvious time. I'm, I'm, I'm completely empty. God, I have nothing in the tank. I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer my church. I told my church, I can't be your pastor right now. I was a full-time student. I told my school, I, I said, I can't be a student right now. Like I, I, was, I was at this point in my life where I was juggling a, lot of, juggling a lot of stuff. You ever been there? Juggling a lot of stuff and you're doing pretty well? And then just like everything you're juggling just falls completely to the ground. What can you do? You can try to pick it all up, start again. But at this point, the Lord was very clear, I don't want you picking anything up right now. It was a time in my life, it was just obvious, the only thing I could do was pray. And the only thing I wanted to do was pray. But since that moment, I've never had another moment like that. It hasn't been just so clear that what you need to do right now is be on your face and on your knees in prayer. But does our Heavenly Father want us to pray like that constantly? Yes. The New Testament says pray without what? Ceasing. Don't stop praying. Because you will always need to pray. So those times when you think it may may not be the best time to pray, prayer's not really needed, rethink it. Rethink those moments. And let God's word from Mark chapter one remind you of when Jesus prayed and that he prayed alone, that he prioritized it. It was important to him when everything else in his life and ministry seemed to be on an upward path. Everything was good. Is everything good in your life right now? Where are you? Is now a good time to pray? Do you need to prioritize prayer 
right now for these reasons. I encourage you to do so. And receive the word from God this morning and from the Holy Spirit that encourages us and challenges us to prioritize.